Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. I am your host, Martino Puccio. Alongside me is Matt Santangelo this week for episode 95. Pepperisha will not be with us. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a little too busy celebrating England's first ever victory on the opening match day for the Euros. Um, Matt, how you doing? Little highs and lows for you so far within this first uh, uh, match day of the Euros. Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. It's exciting to have the Euros kicked off. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, right, Italy got the victory on Friday to open things up against Turkey, which we'll, we'll dive into. And then at the time of recording, it's about, I don't know, four or five hours since uh, Poland succumbed to a <laughs> Milan Skriniar screamer and Slovakia 2-1. So um, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit good, a little bit bad, but I think with the, uh, the way the rest of that group shaped up, we should be okay for that, that Spain game. So there's still something to play for there, but uh, I'm doing pretty well. Otherwise. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, you got a couple of days to soak in that win with Italy, which we'll just go into first um, opening match day, uh, not opening match day, the opening match of the tournament. This one was a, a really fun match to watch. If you're an Insudi fan, um, I think it was a pretty good one for, for neutral lovers of who, really enjoy watching um, this go down because it was a very tactical, tight-knit first half. You could see some butterflies, I guess, for some of the players that were making their international tournament debuts. Barella, Locatelli, Berardi, those were like the three that I noticed immediately that, you know, they were a little shaky. They were a little um, not scared of the moment, but just overthinking certain plays and and passes um, where they were. But then, you know, Turkey was just being very, very um, compact centrally. Obviously, everything that was going great from Italy was coming out wide. Spinat Sola, man of the match. I thought he was fantastic from minute one to minute 90. Florenzi really didn't do anything within the first half. It looked and confirmed as a tactical substitution when Di Lorenzo came on. Second, he came on first eight, 10 minutes. Clearly outplayed Florenzi. Great read by Roberto Mancini to make a sub so quickly within the first game. Um, especially for a mainstay in Florenzi that had that spot locked down for a long time, Matt, especially in qualifiers and the past few years. So short lease for him, then they just poured it on. Immediately within the first 10 minutes, that match really opened up for Italy. They they got that first goal. Then, then they just started pouring it on, man. I mean, just absolutely robbed of a penalty at one point as well. Very interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the tournament and how they're going to be calling handballs. But this is what we kind of expected from Italy. Um, Total domination to start out with this group. Big loss for Turkey um, in terms of goal differential, but they're okay because of the draw that happened between Wales and Switzerland. So uh, go ahead with your initial thoughts of that that game. I thought all around everyone played top, um, except for Bernadeschi, who came in and was just dreadful. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's it was a uh, a very very positive result for the Azzurri, as you mentioned, right? Three zero against a Turkish team that I think a lot more people expected a little bit something extra from them in this match, from a mentality standpoint at least. I think on paper they had a pretty reputable side with with Hakan, with um, you know a couple other players in the midfield and wide areas. You know Yasici who plays for Lille. They had a couple other players that could really you know caused some trouble for, for, for Italy, who in the first half, uh, I, I had a bevy of chances, Lorenzo Insigne, um, Berardi, uh, Immobile, 
they they had a handful of chances that just, they just couldn't quite convert. But in the second half, to your point, you know, there was a completely different reversal um, uh, from a confidence standpoint, right? I think the space, the opportunities were always there. And then immediately once Berardi swings that ball in and Demiral gets the own goal, you can kind of get a sense that Italy relaxed a little bit. They eased into the game. There was the getting that first goal, the getting that advantage, uh, pretty much forced Turkey to come out of any sort of shell that they were in, right? Because the space was there for more goals and more opportunities to arise. And sure enough, you know, you get Demobile who gets a, 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 the rebound, he puts one home, and then Lorenzo Insigne gets a nice goal for the third. So all in all, I thought it was a, a very strong performance from Italy. Uh, Mancini, all credit to him. He pushed the right buttons as far as substitutions are concerned. He, you know, and as a bonus, you didn't have to risk Marco Verratti in this. Um, you can take out some players at certain points to kind of preserve them and keep them fresh for the next couple games uh, in this group, which, you know, obviously, you know, if all things go according to plan, maybe Italy can secure their spot a little earlier, where in that, set, in that final game, they can kind of be a little bit more strategic. But Mancini, it's refreshing, right, to see at a tournament a less pragmatic Italy side than one that's more attacking focus, right? And this has kind of been the theme under Mancini, right? Fresh new young talent, a team that likes to attack versus be so uh, staunch defensively. I'm not saying that's not an area that is uh, of concern um, for, for Italy or something they don't, they don't want to focus on and they don't want to be maintaining. But the fact that Italy can attack, they can be progressive, they can go forward, they can put that, that, that next gear in place to get goals, like we saw, 3-0, as you yep. mentioned, right, to open up the group. It's, it was a dream scenario for Italy. And I think um, going forward, it, the Italians should feel really confident um, going, going forward into the potential knockout rounds if they can uh, get it done. Yeah, and two more things before we move on to the next match. I think it was important to note that Insigne Immobile scoring in the first match really kind of not exercising their demons completely for the national team, but getting it out of the way. It's a little bit less pressure on yourself when you score in those opening matches. You know, Insigne, you could tell what kind of his shots. They progressively got better as the match went on, right? Try curling it in in the first half, just wasn't really there. Didn't have the proper spin or placement on it. Then in the second half, one of his other shots right at uh, the goalkeeper. Third one, bang it in. Quintessential and, and classic Insigne curler right there, which makes him one of the best left wingers in the world. Um, and then again, I think having the news come out that Verratti is going to be back a little bit sooner than expected is a massive boost because no one, no one is getting a better midfielder within this tournament back than Italy is going to get with him. Mm-hmm. And that just helps the pecking order because you lose Pellegrini, you lose Sensi. Yeah. You add Castrovilli, who is a great addition by the way um, for depth, but then you get Marco Verratti back. It allows Locatelli to be the first guy off the bench if you need him to be, or vice versa with Verratti. If I, I think best case scenario for him to debut is against Wales, take off on Wednesday against Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, all in all, um, huge boost for them. Heading to now the second match of this group was Switzerland and Wales. Um, really good match. Really good. I really enjoyed this. Um, Kind of a head scratcher with substitutions in this one, Matt. The Shakiri substitution, the Daniel James substitution for both sides. I'll say this. Wales looked a lot more impressive going forward than some would expect. Um, Switzerland should have won this, in my opinion. They blew a ton of changes in this one. 
for me, I think this was a better result for Wales than it was for Switzerland. I think Switzerland kind of knew that they had to win this game. Now there's more added pressure against Italy. And then the third match is going to be against Turkey. So, you know, say Turkey comes out and grabs a win there or either of those sides grab a win, it's going to be a do or die situation on that third match day. I think great result for Wales. They got to sharpen up. Um, Ramsey and Bale do not look like they're in top form like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the rest of this group shapes up. I think it's clear that Italy are the best, like we all thought they would be. Um, obviously, at the finish out these two matches, we'll see what happens. But all in all, great result for Wales, um, underwhelming to an extent for Switzerland, even though there were some positives to take away from it. Um, this one, I, I was I was actually in and out of this one. Um, I had some other engagements to to tend to, but um, from from a results standpoint, I think you know, look, there that was a match where you're still seeing like that's kind of like a prototypical opening match type feel to it, right? It had that sort of it's a little bit not as 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 clinical, not as sharp. Some chances go awry. There's some maybe some issues um, on various sides of the field. But all in all, you know, the draw felt like the fair result in that. For Italy, it's a great result, right? Because Turkey, you buried them 3-0. They have that sort of zero. They have that goose egg. Plus, they also have a minus three goal differential. And then you have Switzerland and Wales who split the spoil. So for Italy, it's you head into the next game and you get a victory. Everything's you're and pretty much Switzerland, Switzerland didn't look as compact as I thought they could have been. Like, we're talking about the Welsh with pretty solid, like, I respect their talent offensively, but it's nowhere near the quality of Italy, right? No, 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 no. Uh, like, this is like, Italy. Exactly. Italy's the, yeah, yeah. Not, Italy's the, uh, the definitely the favorite from this group, um, especially after we saw all teams play. I mean, I think Italy should coast, to be honest with you. I don't think anyone would be surprised. Now, where Italy, um, you kind of want to see how Italy responds, right? And, and I don't want to harp back too much on Italy, but this was a talking point that a lot of people had, that Chiellini and Bonucci looked very good. And I was like, yeah, but Turkey really didn't push the envelope. They didn't yeah. really put GGO in any situations. He was making his his, his uh, senior debut, you know, with, with, with the uh, from a tournament standpoint with Italy, of course. You know, so there really wasn't many pressing situations for Italy to have to defend from. And I think that's going to be a focus, right? Because on one hand, you would love for Italy to coast by the next two matches and sure. you'll move on to the knockout stage and be in that optimal position. But in a strange way, you want to see how do they defend, right? Like against a team that can attack, that's willing to come out and, and, and play a little bit more aggressive. Because Turkey didn't play aggressive at all, right? They were oh, down man. and once they got they that... They tried counterattacking with Yurak Yilmaz, bro. bro. A couple times in the first half. But once they gave up that the Berardi goal or that the own goal, shall I say, from Demiral, heads were hanging. You can see they kind of mentally switched off. And I think mm. it was really smooth sailing at that point for Italy. So I'm curious to see if Wales or Switzerland can put Italy in a position where, all right, we're going to have to defend. It's going to be one of those tight games. Can they defend and win in a different fashion? Because they scored a ton of goals throughout this 28-match um, unbeaten run. That yeah. they that they've they've been on, excuse me, but you kind of want to see when how they'll they'll react and respond. Maybe when they you know concede a goal and it's tied and it's getting to the final stages of the game where they need to preserve something. So all in all, though, it leaves in a good position, and the rest of the group is pretty much up for grabs. Who who can grab that second spot? 
Totally agreed, man. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Zero shots on target for Turbo. Insane. Um, so yeah, we'll go to the next um, group. And so there's a lot to unpack with group B, right, Matt? Um, so we'll start off with, I guess the, it, it was the news of, not new. I mean, it was just the whole situation of the tournament, right? Um, horrifying. And it's not even to put that lightly. That's probably the best way you could describe it. It was a horrifying scene to see Christian Eriksen um, peel over and, and fall down untouched in the middle of the match. We've seen this happen um, before, unfortunately, instances in Serie A, other leagues around the world of cardiac arrest on the field. Um, he was He was gone. Um, was the best way to describe it. And it's the way that it was explained that Christian Eriksen had passed at one point. And the response time of Simon Kier and the rest of the Danish players to get medical attention almost immediately to Christian Eriksen, even though some people would have thought it took longer than they would have liked, CPR was performed, a defibrillator had to be brought out. Matt, 7% chance of survival. Um this is just terrifying. It's great in a sense that this life was saved by this medical staff, but overall terrifying for an extremely healthy player athlete at the age of 28. Um, change forever, really. I think this kind of this kind of raises a lot of things, but but the most important thing is that he is okay. And we saw the picture. We saw him giving the thumbs up as he was leaving. He was conscious again. It was it was just very scary scenes because it was taking a while and we didn't know what was happening because it's, it's traumatizing for people, man. Um, a lot of people never see real life or death situations like that in general. And to see it on a global stage in the middle of the day and early, late afternoon in Europe, I mean, it's it's... It was truly terrifying and shows how fragile life is in general. But to have him be okay after that, um, really unfortunate with the options that were laid out by UEFA. There, There's only a finite amount that they could bring up. They resume the match. Finland ends up winning. It's, it's a loss on the score sheet for Denmark, but they won in one of the worst-case scenarios. Um yeah, I mean, there isn't much left to say on it. Obviously, you speak on it, but thank God that Christian Eriksen is okay. Um, we'll obviously see what else happens um, and how Denmark is going to psychologically rebound the rest of this tournament. But just speaking on it, just to have him be alive and okay is just a huge win in general. Global news. Um it's yeah, I saw it all across my timelines on all social platforms. Um, I was actually speaking to my my parents about it and stuff because I was I was around them at the time when I saw the news, and they were like, "What happened? What happened?" I'm like, "Was that a contact?" I was like, "No contact." And um, yeah, global news, global stage, right? I think it's the global sport you're seeing across across the globe it being covered and covered very closely for good reason, right? Because you know, no contact, cardiac arrest. Um, for a, to your point, a, a very healthy, you know, these are some of the, the healthiest, most fit 
these the sport is has, is so in tune to the nutritional side and monitoring heart and everything. I mean, this is best medical doctors you can get. Sports, sports too, yeah. right? Right. It's sports. I mean, the best of the best. And to see it happen is it puts things into perspective, right? Because I think, look, people think, oh, these guys are they're human. They're human. That's and I think in that that's the that's the kind of the one biggest thing biggest thing things I can take from this situation is that healthy individual, 28 years old, no contact, human, cardiac arrest, 7% chance. And all credit to the medical team, all credit to the officials for acting swiftly. Simone Cayer, who, you know, apparently was helping us, according to what I've been reading, um, you know, made sure he was in the right position, made sure he didn't swallow his tongue. I mean, to act as swiftly as they did to preserve his life and to keep him alive and he's in stable condition right now and sending greetings and messages to his teammates in, in Copenhagen. It's, um, thank God, to your point, you know, that he's still alive. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's been something, you know, look, the way it was, it was handled from the coverage was very disappointing. And it was very disgusting and disgraceful, in my opinion. I don't want to go too much into it and all the information and the details. Um, but what makes it so beautiful, this sport, is the fact that everyone was so unified around Ericsson in that moment, right? Like Milan fans, Inter fans, you know, whoever right? There was no rivalries. There was just a genuine concern and love and, and hope for Erickson in that moment that he was okay. And from a football standpoint, first and foremost, from a football lover, it, it, that was refreshing. And I think that really showed just how special sport can be and how mm. unifying and how big this community truly is. So uh, we'll be monitoring this. Of course, everyone else will, but I'm just glad that Erickson's okay. And then, um, you know, we'll have to see how Denmark reacts. Of course, they, yeah. they uh, unfortunately fell um, to Finland 1-0. A very anticlimactic, you know, game in that sense because of, you know, the fact that Finland, this is their first major tournament, first major Euro, and they get their first yeah. Euro goal. Difficult right? so there spot was, for you know, them. Yeah. Right, right. There was no celebration on their part when he scored the goal. I, I don't have the guy's name, but when he scored the goal, there was no celebration. And there was that sort of how do we react and how do we respond? So, so many mixed emotions, but at the end of the day, a lot of heroes and it's a feel good story in a sense to see how many people have rallied around Erickson, the work of Mm -hmm. Simon Cayer and all who helped um, help him, you know, stay alive pretty much. Yeah. Um, Crazy, but we're glad Christian is okay. And uh, hopefully he makes a full recovery um, over the course of time. Um, So, yeah. I mean, we'll just transition to the next game, Belgium-Russia. One of his teammates at Inter, Lukaku, a lot of stuff went into this. I mean, we could discuss the knee, the kneeling, and Russia not doing that as opposed to Belgium doing it. And ironically, Lukaku scoring two. No Kevin De Bruyne in this one. Hazard came on as a substitute. Good for Lukaku, man. Um despite everything as a, as a Milan fan, disliking him for what happened in the Coppa Italia, respect him as a man. I respect him as a, a talent and a player putting two past Russia like that, winning the game that Belgium should have won in the first place, playing in St. Petersburg. Great result for them, not having two of their greatest players of all time, Matt. I mean, that's literally the way you have to spin it with this. Um, not an overall impressive performance by Belgium, but results matter. And for them, it was a 3 nothing result with this. Not much to take away from it. He dedicated his goals to Christian Eriksen. It's very difficult um, to, to play in a match like this where you don't know 
the true extent of it. Obviously, he's very emotional. I like this. This is in general, people. Like this isn't something about um, you know just football related. It's about how you kind of handle yourself when you have shell shocking news like that. And we knew he was okay, but it's it's a lot emotionally on you. Um, and he mentioned it, Lukaku. These guys spend more time with their teammates than they do with their families. And especially in recent times when we have COVID struck and you don't have a lot of time outside of that, you can't go and fraternize like you used to because there's still precautions that you have to take to be safe. So with that, great job by him, great job by Belgium winning. Um, They're going to coast through this group pretty much. So kudos to them. Um, yeah, I mean, there isn't much left to speak on it because we're already, you know, 20 or so minutes into this episode. Yeah. But this is why Lukaku is going to win the golden boot of this tournament, taking advantage against these matchups. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's interesting to see too. And this is my final point on Belgium, right? Because I think everyone I talk to, I always go back to the 2014 World Cup where Belgium played against the U.S. in the round of 16. They, they, they got by them and obviously they bowed out afterwards but you saw the project materialize materialize right at that point you had a young Eden Hazard you had Lukaku you had some other players in that squad you know Thibaut Courtois guys of of great quality and I always thought I was like when they round into form when you get some of these young players who become savvy established and real premium talent in the veteran mold they're going to be a force and to your point, right, you, to get results when you don't have your best players or even have your best performance out there, it shows the strength you have as a team to overcome that, right? To your, and then you look at it, Lukaku, right? He's fantastic year for Inter. Uh, Scudetto, you know, best striker. He's going to finish top 10 Ballon d'Or. Uh, MVP, I'm sorry, MVP. I, mm-hmm. think, I think Ronaldo won best striker. But from, yeah, from a performance standpoint, <laughs> Lukaku was an absolute demon this year. By far and the best player. see him yeah. carried back into the Euro. No surprise. He's he's Belgium's all-time leading scorer, and he's broken. He's gotten to the sixty record, sixty goal mark quicker than I think anybody else has. So that speaks volumes to the fact that he can score in volume and in bunches, and he can do it and carry an entire nation on his back. That's exactly what he did. He puts two on Russia. Let's go, Messi! Oh yeah, baby! He just scored a great free kick against Chile. I had to interrupt you for it for the reaction. <laughs> fantastic curler talk well, about guys who want to see step up on the international that. stage huh bro Woo! i'm done bro. i pretty much had <laughs> i knew i'm sorry i had to get i wanted to get a natural reaction i was like okay he's lining up <laughs> great great job by messi wow um but yeah but back to your point about lukaku i mean it is great matt like talk about a player's trajectory over the course of his career you know, not short of any criticism. If there is a player with like top three criticism in this sport, it, he's up there, Lukaku. Um, mm-hmm. Really great to start to see him rise to the player that we all knew he could be, even when, we, when he was at Chelsea, right? So awesome by him. Great job by Belgium. They started off great. Okay, next match day. We'll go through this pretty quickly. Um, these games progressively got more entertaining as they went along. England, Croatia, you wake up early. Um, you had to do a double take with your eyes, huh, Matt? <laughs> when you see Gary Southgate's lineup for this. Um, Pet was uneasy about it. They end up pulling away with the three points. 
First ever time that England has won their opening match within this tournament. Good result for them. Not a great match overall. Croatia really looking old is the best way to put it. Not their finest performance. Father time catching up with them. And as we've said, and you guys said during your Euro coverage in the last episode, if you guys have not listened to it, this is not the same side. It was three years ago when they made it to World Cup final. And since they faced each other. England's a lot deeper, a lot more talented. Yeah, so what what was your takeaway from this? I was kind of half asleep from it. I had a long day on Saturday, so um, missed I mean, a good you, amount of it. Look at the strength of this England side. You know, they no Chilwell and Sancho bench, which speaks to the depth, right? Um, but the fact that Southgate went with Sterling over a Jack Relish, which it's a lot of, it was was met with some controversy and some confusion. Um, mm. Of course, Sterling gets the decisive goal, and you know, and you get Jude Bellingham, right? Jude Bellingham, I think, became the youngest player to make uh, to, to appear the Euro match, which mm-hmm. is very impressive, right? He's a very fine player who plays with Borussia Dortmund, who we've been covering quite a bit on this podcast. But it's play much like the same thing I said about Belgium, right? With Belgium, you know, maybe it wasn't their finest performance, but they get the victory over a Croatia, and this was that first hurdle, right? If you look at the rest of the landscape of that group. They got by Croatia. Everything else, you kind of feel like the England should coast, right? Sure, sure. So, and I think that's kind of how I feel about this. It's again, it's not a performance that's going to get them deep. If they play like this, it'll be a quick, quick exit. Be, right? man, they could be out group. immediately. Right. So that's one of those things you have to little mo- uh, monitor somewhat here is how Gareth Southgate goes forward with with tinkering and, and, and implementing some of these other players, because simply put this England team is built to do great things in this tournament, provided Gareth Southgate puts the players in positions to do great things in this tournament. So I think that's kind of what people are going to be looking at here is Mm -hmm. this team is undisputedly has very good depth, very good quality. This is one of the more deeper England sides we've seen in years. How far they go is going to dict- be dictated whether or not Safke pushes the right buttons and is tactically sharp to the point where he gets the most out of this group. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's some things that they need to work on um, that they have to sort out by the round of 16 match, because if they win this group, again, we said it group of death, second place team is who they face. So they have to be on their game and they have to fix things quickly. Um, yeah, so, so good for England. I, I think it spells doom for Croatia because Matt heading into the second game here, Austria and North Macedonia, good on Goran Pandev, ageless wonder, the youngest ever scorer for North Macedonia in an international tournament. Um, Austria was just the better team this match. Um, really, really underrated side within this tournament. Sabitzer, Liner, um, well, I don't want to really get into Arnautovic because very disrespectful by him. Go down David Alaba for shutting him up, for being an idiot. You know what it kind of reminded me of, Matt, when when I saw him go like grab his face and try to get him to shut up? Do you remember, I believe it was Mario Balotelli against Ireland when he scored a goal and he started yelling at the coaching staff? Um, and I forgot who had to cover his mouth because he was being an idiot. Um, yelling at the staff but it just it reminded me of that um really good end-to-end stuff for the casual viewer i hope they were entertained by this match 3-1 austria 
good to get the separation with that goal differential. Two goals is positive for them. Um, great result. Not much else you could say. Good on North Macedonia, grabbing a goal at least. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not much to spend on, on this one, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's um... – <laughs> admittedly it wasn't the most exciting game exhilarating game but um there was some good banter out of it obviously relative to expectations uh, you know it exceed the expectations listen if you're listen if you're a north macedonia fan you know this is you take a lot of pride in the fact that you're playing in this tournament you're in this position that you are you're right so pandev as the captain to get the one and only goal that they've scored in this competition in all-time history it's it's a big moment for them right i think you know look they there was moments in that match where i was like cannot North Macedonia actually like squeak this one out. And sure enough, a little bit more talent on the other side in Austria. You have Arton Arnautovic. You had uh, Sapitzer with a peach to liner. That was a fantastic goal. Um, and Austria were a team that I think most people picked to, uh, to get out of this group. And listen, I want to go back to that episode. Looks like me and Pet have things going pretty well here as far as our predictions go. True. No, it's true. I mean, I mean, you guys are you guys are right. Um, and hopefully, it keeps trending that way. Um, I think Austria really is just going to be one of those teams, kind of like Iceland last go around. It's going to be making more noise um, out of the casuals that they wouldn't expect a country to do so. So, congrats to Austria. They're going to be uh, rolling along. Uh, the rest of these group stages are going to be excited to see how they play against Croatia and England. Um, best match of the tournament, bar none: Netherlands, Ukraine. Um, back and forth. Dutch go up to score two goals within the first 15 minutes of the second half. Ukraine comes back in. They score two within five minutes. And then Dumfries scores the winner for the Dutch. Um, Listen, this is I wasn't totally shocked by the way Ukraine was able to create chances and score goals for our guy, Andrei Shevchenko. Um, the Dutch, even though missing Matthias De Ligt, obviously very well documented about the Virgil van Dijk situation um, and him not playing because he tore his ACL. Good result. Still not convinced otherwise that the Dutch are going to make a deep run in this tournament simply because of what we saw. It, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. You have to be better than that. You have a two-goal lead. You can't give it up, especially within five minutes, Matt. Good on them for ending up to get the win. They look ex- they look like they got exposed, in my opinion. Um, and Ukraine's going to be giving a lot of teams problems. Don't don't get me wrong here. They're going to be making some noise. I think they got a really good chance at advancing. I think they will. But no, nah. I if I'm if I'm a if I'm a Dutch fan, you you squeak out with a win there, but you just know in the back of your minds like this team isn't in well as well positioned as we thought they could have been or some it's thought could have been hard to gauge it's hard to gauge how you know some of these teams could fare right because i think of all the injuries and you know some covid tests right when you re- even looking at with um with uh Dejan Kulusevski with Sweden just to make mention or even Busquets with Spain that you know some of these teams are really not at full health right we obviously know with 
the Netherlands situation is um, from a defensive standpoint. I think in this match, they obviously didn't have the lick. I know he was, he kind of was, was shown on camera, but more or less from a, you know, a spectator position, right? He was just kind of dapping up his teammates at the end of the victory. But no Sven Botman, who's a really talented young central defender from Lille, who I think we actually had Zach Lowy profile months and months ago. Um, Quincy Proms, I don't think he was in there, but Frankie De Jong ran that midfield. He was phenomenal. Uh, him, Deron, Wijnaldum, that group, I think the midfield, that's where their strength and that core is going to be established. Um, if they can get enough guys back from a central defensive standpoint, I think they're going to be a team that caters to De Boer's uh, style in a sense that I think they can really be tough to break down a really strong defensive side where they have some concerns is going forward. The pie didn't get his goal. Um, I think his name is Veghorst. I think he scored a goal, but their, their attack did. doesn't excite me that much to the point where I can put them on the same plane or playing field as some of these other teams, even Italy. I think for, for all the, the slack and, and the, 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 the criticism that the guys like Immobile and Belotti get is not being like this world-class upper echelon number nine from an international standpoint. I think they're a team that's a little bit deeper top to bottom. I think Netherlands are going to have issues scoring goals against stronger sides. But if you're looking at this from a, you know, uh, a result standpoint, it's a very good result. And I think it tells us a lot more about Ukraine more than it does about Netherlands. I don't think many people are too convinced that Netherlands, to your point, and I would agree with it, that they can make a deep run here. I think they're still a team that um, has some good quality on paper, but I just don't think that they're a team that can, uh, you know, overthrow some of these more uh, superior sides. Totally agree. And I even kind of thought this prior to that, uh, the injuries with everything. So so, yeah, I mean, listen, Holland's going to get a lot of things figured out. I think some of their matches are going to be a little bit more higher scoring than anticipated. I thought Memphis Depay looked really good despite not scoring. Um, still the class of the group, but we'll see how it all unfolds, man. I, I, I think this is going to be a back and forth kind of battle over these next three matches. Okay, we're here to discuss um, the final match day um, that we've seen, and we just wrapped up watching Spain and Sweden. Before we get into your boys, let's get to uh, the Czech Republic. Goal of the tournament already. Um, Patrick Schick. Um, we know his talent, Matt. We've seen it firsthand with Sampdoria. Uh, we also saw him, you know, have some inconsistencies when he was at um, Roma, obviously. Goes to Leipzig. Really turned it around a little bit to an extent. For me, I think that this is a great result for them much needed win if they were going to get a win out of this group. Um, and again, for me, Scotland had a lot of opportunities in this. They just could not finish shouts to the Czech goalkeeper slipping my mind right now. Apologies. Um, but again, Scotland created some chances. Dykes just wasn't finished. I was sending it to pet in the group. I was like, I really just don't like this guy. I re- I just, I wasn't a fan of, you know, just his finishing in general, his work rate, Andy Robinson, Robertson, Unbelievable player. Just fantastic. Took over the game as he has, as he's done over the course of his career so far on the biggest stages. So shouts to him. Rough spot for Scotland to be in if they want to advance the next round. Things obviously aren't over yet, but they need to, they need to obviously take advantage of their chances, Matt. So um, let me know what your thoughts were with that. 
Yeah, Patrick Schick was, um, when we were um, previewing this group, Pat and I, I think I had a little bit of a soliloquy or whatever the word is on Patrick Schick, because I think I, I was someone who felt so strongly about um, him when he was at Samp with several other players that I liked in that team. Lucas Torreira was another one. But Schick was a player that I was so excited about when he made the move or the, the move that collapsed to Juve. And then he went to Roma. I was like, this guy's staying in Serie A. This is going to be pretty cool to watch this guy develop because he's got a lovely left foot. He, he has so much technical ability in such a large, you know, languid frame. And I'm not saying I'm not surprised that he scored this goal because obviously to score that sort of goal on this stage is pretty, is pretty stunning. It, it blew me away. But he's a player with good quality, with good ability. And it's always been somewhat of a, an injury or fit thing with him that has prevented him from really uh, showcasing his true potential and ability. At Leverkusen now, 25 years old, this is a big opportunity for him to really show a lot of people that he was a couple of years ago, one of the better prospects in world football and in his age bracket. It's crazy to think he's 25 now because I remember covering him at Samp in 2017, 2018. I actually wrote an article for these football times and that was four years ago. And I'm like, this guy is a special player. He could be, he mm. could do really great things for, for the Czech Republic. So far, so good, right? He gets a wonderful goal of the tournament. This, that, that goal is, this is the goal of the tournament. I know Yarmolenko had a great one yesterday in the Ukraine game, the left-footed. That was a, a lovely strike. It's over. He called he, game. This, he called game. He's like, all right, bet. I got this one. And, he's, and he just fires this one from way out. And, you know, that's obviously was the talking point from this game. But he had a great result for Czech Republic, right? I think a team that, um, you know, has some sneaky good talent on this team. You know, a lot of players that, you, you'll, you'll start to maybe get a little bit more comfortable with knowing how they play and what their potential can be. And I think that's kind of something we look at with the Euro tournament, the Copa America is, yeah, we have the stars, but who are those other players in between that can really, you know, make that next step and, 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 you know, prove to a lot of people that maybe they are worth another look and they will have an opportunity on the domestic level to take that big leap. So um, good result for, for Czech Republic without question. And I think Scotland, you know, I expected a little bit more from them. I thought the fact that they saw the result from England, that maybe they would come out a little bit more inspired to try and replicate that and to get a victory and kind of go tit for tat with them. But mm-hmm. they didn't do it. Czech Republic, all credit to them. Yeah, all credit to them. Best of luck uh, with the next round. Matt, just take it over for this next one, brother. I know disappointing one, Poland, Slovakia. This is all you. Yeah, so... um Defeat to uh, Slovakia, 2-1, right? I think you look at this one and fine. I didn't think I – didn't, I didn't have a problem with the lineup that Paulo Sousa ran out there. Um, but I always have this thing in the back of my mind that all this hype, all this buzz, all this, this attention surrounding Lewandowski, and, and rightfully so and rightfully earned because of the years he's had, he always seems to get that focus. And with that focus, he doesn't get the service to really – showcase everything on the internationals uh, on in these tournaments excuse me internationally he's got a great scoring record but the tournament plays where a lot of people give him criticism for it and it's really not just all down to him if you look at the match the way this played out poland started very strong all of a sudden slovakia get a goal in the second half the netty responds they get a nice a really lovely build up in that goal and i'm thinking okay poland like poland they really were were controlling the first 15 minutes of the game and even the first 15 to 20 minutes in the second half, and I'm thinking, 
Poland can get this. It's going to be a grind it out match, which most, in most cases, that's what it tends to be for Poland. But I thought they were going to really uh, find a way to get a victory in this one, which would have been crucial for the rest of the group because obviously Sweden and Spain draw and the fact that Slovakia is top of the group. Now, this was the match that Poland really needed to get a victory from. Kutkowiak gets a second yellow. Some people said it was a little bit harsh. I thought it was a little bit cynical. He stepped on his foot. And you can't put yourself in that position from his percep- from his standpoint and for the yeah. fact that he plays such a key role in that Poland midfield, for him to have that sort of exit and put his guys in that position to, to take on that defeat. Of course, Milan Skriniar gets the, the, the sensational strike. I don't know what this guy does in training to pull off these strikes in-game, but he mm-hmm. said he tends to, I think he had one against Atalanta this year. So for Milan Skriniar to be the guy that gets the decisive goal as a Milan fan, kind of hurt a little bit more. And there's really nothing more else to say with this. Lewandowski was devoid of service. And this seems to be a reoccurring theme with Poland, right, at big tournaments. We saw it at the World Cup um, in 2018, where he, he has to do so much, right? He has to drop it to the midfield to get the ball. He's running much more than he, than he probably should, exerting more energy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, not able to be in the box where he does the bulk of his damage and it's, it was it was a it was pretty much a, a exactly how I expected it to go once Krechkoviak went uh, went out. So we'll have to wait and see how the rest of this group plays out. I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, completely convinced with what Sweden did. I wasn't completely sold on what Spain did. I thought Sweden Correct. defended really well. Um, yeah. Robert Ol- Robin Olsen had a fantastic game in that. Amazing. But I thought that Spain in the final third, which was always going to be a Horrendous. big focus for them and a big concern, obviously left much to be desired. I mean, I said how many. I don't know how many times I said I've done previews, phone calls, phone interviews. We're on Toronto with TSN, asking questions about Spain. What's good with Spain? Alvaro Morata is everything you need to know about where they're going to go in this tournament. They can't finish. He can't finish. Listen, people like to reference Spain used to play with a false nine. You know, yeah, that was probably the greatest international midfield of all time, with a great defense and top goalkeeper. We're not there, guys. That's not dumb. Um, Sweden, Isak played well. There were some, you know, negatives that you could take away from it. Olsen played fantastic. Roma fans, their stomachs were churning. Yeah, I mean, 0-0 draw. Bad result for Spain. Solid result for Sweden. But a lot left to be desired because it's not all about the result from this match, uh, Matt. So, again, Spain's going to have to turn it around. Um, if they want to go deeper into this tournament, because they play like that, it's going to be an earlier exit than they would have liked. Um, so, yeah, not much left to say about those matches. We're obviously got the group of death tomorrow. So we're going to just be tweeting out and talking about all that. Um, Germany and France match is going to be in Germany, um, Portugal, Hungary. Not much left to say with that stuff. So we'll just move on from there. Um, before we do that, we have to let you guys know, obviously, that this podcast is brought to you in affiliation with SoRare, the global blockchain fantasy game. SoRare is a fantasy game of soccer where you buy players, sell, trade, manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link that's in the description of our podcast, wherever you go to listen to us, you go there, use that link, you buy five new cards from the primary market, both individual and bundles, then you get one free rare card. So you just head over there, click the link, um, Best time to do it is now. Buy low during this tournament. Pet and I did a preview prior to the tournament. You can go catch that. Um, it's on our Twitter feed, my Twitter feed. Probably too far to go back to go find it on my Twitter feed. But you can go find it on Pets, um, the YouTube. 
So Rare Guide is where you can go watch and learn about all that stuff. So yeah, definitely go and check that out. Matt, obviously, there's a game outside of the Euros, um, and that's transfers. So kind of let's get into this, man. We know this has been well-documented. If you follow us on Milan Reports about the Gigi Donnarumma situation, not returning to Milan, not staying in Italy, Matt, like I thought he wouldn't have. Um, The only place that really made sense to me that I thought he was going to go to, PSG. Going to be one of the highest-paid goalkeepers in the world. PSG doing Keylor Navas dirty. Once again, this poor guy. Gijo starting his career at Milan, replacing a former Real Madrid goalkeeper. He's going to be starting his PSG career, eventually going to replace a former Real Madrid goalkeeper. For me, I think on a Milan fan's perspective, we'll just say this. He didn't want to become one of the highest played players in Milan history. He didn't, you know, spread his loyalties. Wherever loyalties fall these days, it's whatever. He wanted to get paid. Rayola gets his fat commission, um, pun intended. Um, His family is going to be taken care of. Best of luck to him. He's got the opportunity to be one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. It's unfortunate it's not going to be with Milan, but they moved on. We got to move on. Um, So your quick thoughts on that before we move to um, a former PSG goalkeeper and Italian national team goalkeeper as well. So, uh, yeah, your uh, quick thoughts on that. Yeah. Donnarumma uh, signing a contract until June 2026. Uh, is expected to have a total salary, um, and of course, in the five years, around $60 million net only if all add-ons will be activated, according to Fabrizio Romano. Um, it's a lofty contract that Milan simply could not match. And unlike in previous years and previous regimes, um, I would be a little bit more upset because I thought that maybe Milan were being a little bit more, they're penny pinching and they're, they're lowballing the guy because he obviously is a, a wonderful talent and a player that many Milan fans observed being at the forefront of this growing project. But I like the way that Milan reacted, right? I think they kind of understood that we're not getting, we're too far off here. The margins are, 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 are way off. We're going to move forward with the, with the idea that we're not going to retain this, this, this once in a generation type player. So they go and get Mike Mannion from Lille for 13 million plus 2 million in add-ons, a nice solid replacement. They get that deal done. There's no waiting. There's no waiting post Euro. And you're having that sort of Euro tax that a lot of teams tend to have to pay right off a good, you know, international tournament. Right. And I really just, I've gone over it. I think as a Milan fan, I think a lot of people have been expecting this and embracing themselves for his eventual exit. And the longer it dragged on, the more they kind of come to grips with reality and, and are at peace with the fact that they're not going to be able to retain a, a player of this caliber who, you know, a lot of people envision being the, the face of this club. Right. And it's, it's hard to stay. It's hard to say that. Um, I mean, you and I would agree, right. You know, we would have loved to keep him. It's he's a fantastic player, but I think at the end of the day, it's quite clear that he chose money and, I'm not going to completely say that's that's wrong because everyone's got different situations financially, worrying about their family, worrying about generational wealth. And I, I'm not going to speak too much on that. I, I, I hope he does well in PSG. I hope he gets everything he wants and he went there for. Um, but as a, as a Milan fan, we're moving on. And I'm sure. just I'm just happy that we, we have his replacement sorted out already and we can uh, you know, progress into the next season with the Champions League. Yeah, um, his idol leaving Juve, going to Serie B, to where it all started for his professional career. Gigi Buffon, 
off to Parma. Um, cool story, a uh, full circle thing. I mean, it would be nice. Uh, I get the story of him leading them back to Serie A. It would be very cool to see. He, he, he expressed his desires to eventually become the third-choice goalkeeper again for the Italian national team. Ah, there's, there's, there's not much left for me to say. Um, I have no comments on it. I didn't really want to touch upon it. You go do your thing. <laughs> I think that a lot of people look at Buffon, um, even like what was it, three, four years ago when he was at Juve, uh, he got that proper send-off. He, you know, there was that sort of um, that parade, right? That week-to-week parade that everyone sort of gave him, right? Like from Roger Clemens-esque. Paying the respects to the fact that, what was that? Roger Clemens-esque. Yeah, and or Brett Favre-esque, however you want to, you know, Whatever, whatever example you want to use. <laughs> try, and I think that would have been the right moment. What was that? Nothing. Oh, I don't know. You said something. I don't know if you said something. But yeah, so, you know, I think that would have been the right time for him to step aside. Of course, he goes to PSG, and then he comes back to Juve. He changes his number. He's playing second fiddle to Wojciech Szczesny, which is very odd. He had some pretty good performances when he did play. But now he's obviously returning to Parma, who, um, you know, after 26 years, of course, where he started his career there, as you mentioned, um, he, had opp- he had opportunities to go elsewhere. Right? Beth, one from Besiktas um, that, you know, maybe had some, some, some temptation there. Besiktas Twitter would have went bonkers if that happened. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's in, in a strange way, it's great to see him stay in Serie A. I think people are going to have that sort of desire to at least follow Parma's project because obviously with Kyle Kraus, there's that American ownership, there's that ambition to maybe make Parma back into a team that is really relevant in the world football uh, you know, lens. But at the end of the day, I think this is probably, I would say probably with, with you know, asterisk around it, his final year. I just don't see where else he would go from this point. I think he's got one year left. This is his swan song and we'll, we'll, we'll see how, uh, how he gets on. I mean, at, at the very least, I think it would be kind of cool to see some of the content that gets put out and the images and the graphics and stuff. Because at the end of the day, I know he played for Juve. I know he's a player that a lot of people simply uh, joke about because he didn't win the Champions League title. But at the end of the day, he's an Italy legend, and I got to respect him in that point. If the guy feels like he still wants to play, he still has something to give and offer, then I don't have an issue with that. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. But um, it's interesting, right? So you see Buffon make this decision, goes back to Parma, and then you have Donnarumma take the big bag and goes to PSG, right? I think you have two different, vastly different generations mm-hmm here a goalkeeper but um in a, in a strange way they'll always be connected and i think juventus fans if i'm being honest probably a little bit disappointed that they didn't get Gigio, right because i think Good. it would have been the perfect suck it from Buffon suck it. To no, suck I'm just it. no i know suck it guys you got like <laughs> i would have oh hated that hated that um Jaden sancho bro um we don't have much time left it's, it's about that i'm just gonna pre-catch the timer expiring oh geez i don't think i'm gonna get there okay i did with one second to spare um jane sancho basically going to manchester united this one failed to go through last year discrepancies in terms of fees and you know the whole covid related situation on the transfer market this one seemed predestined for a while now sancho to united 95 million terms of uh personal wages agreed upon already um yeah, I mean, listen, I just expected this. i not thoroughly convinced he's worth the money, 
but you're not going to hear me complain about it. I think if Manchester United value Jaden Sancho at 95 million euros, I'm more than okay with it. I'm not really going to argue it. Um, this is a player that's very versatile, can create goals, whether he scores them, whether he has assists. Great job for Borussia Dortmund, one of the better teams to watch um, going forward. Obviously not in the defense. They were dreadful. Um He's primed for this move. He was ready for this move. And again, like I said, it just felt predestined to happen. I think he's going to be a success uh, back in England, back in the Premier League, playing for a club that has, you know, title aspirations within the next two years or so. Because it's Manchester United. I think that's where the standards lie within this club. Um, They want to get there. Whether or not I think Ole can take them there is a different story. What are your quick thoughts on Jadon Sancho heading on over to Manchester United? So apparently, um, as you mentioned, personal terms have been agreed upon. They've probably been agreed upon since last year, if I'm being honest. Um, obviously, you know, for whatever reason, that deal didn't work out. It was a pandemic year, pandemic summer. So obviously, a lot of teams were, were very closely looking at the financial situation. We obviously know Dorman are in a little bit of a pinch there. So I think it's obvious that they're going to part ways with Sancho. They're just trying to maximize the value of the player that they have. Um, according, Of course, according to Fabrizio Romano, he said 70 million won't do it. It's going to take something in the vicinity of 90 to 95, which is a large fee, an astronomical fee. But fee really only matters if the player flops or doesn't live up to the fee. If the player fulfills the, 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 his end of the deal, then it's going to look like a, a bargain for Manchester United standards, right? They typically don't spend this big, big money, right? They did it for Pogba. I get that. But they're a team that is so large, has such a big brand globally, and they don't spend like Manchester City, like Chelsea, like Liverpool, at least historically. They splash their money where they need to, and they pick their spots. But to your point, Getting Sancho in there is a that's that that to me signals their big intent to push on and forge ahead for a title next year. Whether or not they'll get it, because it obviously is very stiff competition. They got to get a trophy next seen, year, but team. there's no denying. Well, of course, we we on the State of Play podcast, we we Sancho. I know he's been singing his praises for for years now since we've been watching him at Borussia Dortmund. So it's only a matter of days until um, this deal gets done for, uh, yeah. for Manchester United. And of course, Borussia Dortmund, who looks like they actually have their replacement lined up too. And Daniel Ma <laughs> talking about. So it's yeah. funny how quickly these smart clubs act to get these deals done. Yep. Um, so best of luck to Jaden Sancho if he ends up um, there. Um, so, yeah. So, Final news from our guy, Tommy Bogert, um, coming in with this hot off the press information. Italian national team. Bogert bomb. Bogert bomb. Yeah, how about that? First Bogert bomb um, debuting on this podcast. Obviously, we discussed him. Tom's been on before. Um, also been on the So Rare YouTube channel with Pet Beresha. Um National team for Italy is monitoring... Gianluca Busio, we've discussed him. I discussed him prior to the MLS season review with Tom. He's 19 years old. He has an Italian passport. Kansas City, uh, Sporting KC player. Um, he's been linked with a lot of European clubs. He's kind of ex- explained this to us, Tom. Um, he's represented the U.S. on all levels. He has not yet debuted for the national team. Tom is saying for himself that he he can potentially play for the Gold Cup coming up next month, and he's being considered to play in there. I think for this, it's a very interesting situation. But if you're Team USA, you're Greg Berhalter, 
you get them called up, man. Just do it. You guys won CONCACAF Nations League. It's a, it's a nice achievement. You you could still get to the final while calling him up for the Gold Cup. Like, just do it. Just don't allow this to happen. This would be incredibly stupid as a U.S. men's national team fan. But if you're Italy, listen, it'd be a nice coup at the end of the day, but he's not proven on the European level. This is more of a no-brainer kind of move for this. And it really forces Team USA into this position where they have to say, okay, let's not have a Giuseppe Rossi 2.0. We understand Rossi would have been – it wouldn't have mattered because of the injuries that he had over the course of his career. But it's the fact that the sheer talent like that left and didn't want to play. So, for me, can't allow Giuseppe Rossi 2.0 from happening if you're the men's national team. But you'd also love it if you're an Azzurri fan. For me – I, this is where I put my allegiance to Team USA. Don't allow this to happen. Get the kid up. Don't be stupid. Um, like you have in the past. They were able, listen, the men's national team, they were able to get Sergio Dest, who uh, could have represented the Netherlands. Um, obviously, that was a big coup. He's playing for Barcelona. He's a highly rated player that they have for the project going forward. But I absolutely agree with you. I think Busio has got to be in that sort of conversation, right? I think where does it stop, right? Because you're going for, it's quite clear that they're going for a youth-driven project here. Some, some veterans on the team. But what makes this men's national team so exciting, so unique, so fresh, and unlike anything we've seen in years with them, is the sort of fact that they have that young blood that is playing outside of Major League Soccer, that is playing for some of the most prominent teams in world football. Get Busio. Busio is going to make a move um, domestically to a, a, a larger club probably within the next year. We're seeing how quickly some of these European giants are snapping up these talents. We see with Bayern Munich, I think that guy, Justin Chi, who is on FC Dallas, I think they already have a deal for him. We see, obviously, Alfonso Davies. See how quickly these players can make that sort of climb. Busio will be no different, in my opinion. He has interest from Serie A. Of course, that's what Thomas told us um, many times, and he's tweeted it many times. So, um, for need, need they need to get this done. But if they don't get it done, it's, it's going to be one of those typical U.S. Federation type things here, right? Because you don't want a Giuseppe Rossi 2.0 on our hands. Obviously, Giuseppe Rossi had injuries, and he didn't quite live up to the potential on the international stage. But he quite clearly is a special talent, Lucio. So, they, they got to get that done. Yeah, you have to. Um, the most recent bid coming from Serie A that we know of um, was Fiorentina. So his connection there with Comiso would love, still would love to have an American with me. I will say that very selfishly. Um, perfect world as a men's national team fan. Get him in Milan. Have him play with the men's national team. Let it ride like that. Um, but that's coming to an end of our episode here. Obviously, a lot to unpack as we did with a little over right around an hour of coverage for that obviously very exciting day this episode is going to be immediately released so be feel uh, feel free to um listen in share the podcast with others if you have not already obviously we are part of the 90 minute um podcast network obviously it's been very exciting and having a lot of growth as we've had with that um stay tuned for a bunch of headliners on their twitter page you can catch that um whether or not we have some guests on from time to time we will be working on that and having more of them. We'll see if Pet joins us next week. Um, Matt, congratulations on 10,000 followers, man. Thoroughly deserved. Um, you've put in a ton of work over the years on Twitter. Um, one of the more professional and respectable people online, and especially throughout Serie A Twitter. The antithesis of me when it comes to um, 
being, you know, patient and tame with the Mongs in the replies. Um, congratulations, man. Very proud of you. We speak on behalf of Pat and everyone else who supports us on the State of Play podcast. Um, you deserve this. Next up, verification. That's dope, man. Thank you to everyone who follows. Thanks. Obviously, Martin, I know you got that little poll, um, that part, the poll of Puccio. Um, I woke up to a, a, a mention from you and then I woke mm-hmm. up to 10K. So, like I said, thanks to you. Thanks to Pat, obviously, for, um, you know, making that push and, and for everyone who supports us and what we do. I really do appreciate it. And it's been a long time coming, but more to come, guys, more to come. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Puccio pool doesn't exist if uh, Santangelo doesn't help me get to those followers in the first place. Um, but yeah, um, at man underscore Santangelo, guys, don't forget to follow that. Don't forget to follow the State of Play podcast um, on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Uh, also, follow Pet Parisha at Pet Parisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A, um, as Pet likes to spell it out all the time, just in case you don't know. But it's also in the description of the podcast as well. You just follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Um, a lot more Euro 2020 previews um, for betting videos on the Mayo Media Network. So definitely be sure to check that out as well. Releasing um, picks daily for the athletic as well. Just picking games straight up or winners straight up or results of the matches. So draw, win, or lose. Um, well, really just draws or wins. We don't pick or lose. It's obvious who we pick or we win uh, for that. Um, so, yeah, other than that, um, you guys could listen to some more keen.